Okay, Brother Leroy. Blog Talk Radio. The Keys is proud to announce The Communicators, airing Saturdays at 7 p.m. with your host, Brother Leroy, from the heart of Harlem, USA. Don't forget, every Saturday, 7 p.m., The Communicators, with your host, Brother Leroy, on The Keys Network.
Good evening, everyone. Your host for this show, the communicators, will be with you in a moment. Brother Leroy is in the process of preparing for the show. If you just give us a moment, he'll be right with you after these commercial breaks. Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad Speaks with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cut shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, bath accessories, and inspirational music imported from Africa, India, and Asia, as well as jewelry and accessories.
Thank you for your patience. Thank you for your patience. And thank you for your participation in the communicators coming to you by way of the Keys 107 Network. We want to thank the Most High for blessing us with an opportunity to serve you, to be on this planet, to be of good service to our families, our neighbors, our community, and to humanity. Our motto is do a good deed and multiply that good deed as often as you can, starting out with a smile and a pleasant greeting to people and prayer, of course. Prayer is the key ingredient to keep us on point. If you don't believe in the supreme being, just talk to that force outside of you and you might get a great answer and lead you on the straight path. Once again, the communicators on Saturday night has been dealing with the series we entitled Gifted and Talented for All. This is based on gifted and talented programs throughout the country being located in non-black communities. As a result, many, not many, maybe 99% of the talented children are left out of these so-called programs which are geared to uplifting non-black people and leaving black people in the dust. However, there have been exceptions, and those exceptions to being left in the dust are outstanding educators, community activists, social scientists, and parents who have band together to put together supplementary education programs or dynamic principals and teachers who have constructed curriculums and a learning environment where black children have thrived within their own communities and have reached outstanding heights, gaining them scholarships, and the ability to do for self, et cetera. You've heard some of those stories in the last few weeks on Gifted and Talented for All. Our goal with this series, ladies and gentlemen, is that you take the keys that you pick up. And they're straight out of the network, Keys 107. You take the keys that you pick up from these interviews and begin to use them in your own families, your own neighborhoods, your own churches, your own mosques, masjids, et cetera. Without further ado, we're very happy to have with us a young lady we met this week, highly referred to us by one of our uh, frequent guests, Dr. Ernie Smith of Oakland. Her name is Sister Mia McNulty. My sister, thank you for joining us. God bless you. Thank you, and same to you. Uh, Sister Mia, you belong to the Education Task Force in Oakland. Please explain to us what that is who is involved in it, and uh, based on your knowledge, how we got started, what's his accomplishments to date? Okay. Um, it's in Southern California, South Central Los Angeles, and it's the Black Community Education Task Force. And we meet, uh, we meet every Monday, but education specifically is every second Monday, and we meet at 1 o'clock at the Lillian Mobley Senior Center. And Lillian Mobley was an advocate for our community in South Central, in fact, she helped to uh, bring Charles U. University, the creation of Charles U. University, to South Central Los Angeles. Hmm. So okay. uh, we have a Black Community Education ta uh, Community Children's Task Force, and that we deal with that with uh, the children being removed from Department of Children and Family Services, and then we have a Health Task Force because it seems like in the African American community there's environmental racism going on, and that's what we deal with. Okay, and, and, and uh, one important aspect of your work 
is what Dr. Ernie Smith introduced us to a few months ago, and that is dealing with the black children, in my words, who are stolen from their families and put into foster care to the degree that there's a huge percent of black students uh, or out of the enrollment of black students in California, there's this huge percentage who are in forced to care. Can you shed some light on that? Yes, it's a disproportional rate of African Americans in the foster care system within Los Angeles County, in fact, within California, the state of California. We um, contend that they are using our children as to get paid because when they remove a child from the home of a parent, or guardian, they, the system, they automatically they get a social worker, there's attorneys involved, there's another social worker on the other side, and there's a judge, there's dependency court, whereas they could work with the family and put money and resources back within the family in case there was an issue. We're not saying kids should not be removed, but it's a disproportional rate and it's racist what they're doing, taking black kids. And in L.A. County, I think black kids are no more than 15% of the population, but they make up more than 50% in foster care. Mm, more than 50%. Yes, more than 50%. And, and this, what, in, oh, what, impact, what impact your observations, what impact um, in the observations of the task force, that is, what impact does foster care have on these children's learning capacity, when I say learning capacity, how well they do in school after being separated from their families? Well, first of all, they probably, uh, proportionally, they're probably doing it at a low or below average rate because, number one, they've moved from the school that they were connected to, and the most mm-hmm. important thing, they're removed from family that they love. And so they're in a new school, and it takes time to adjust, and then if you might go to a new school that, that you know, they're not, acceptable or, you know, have the rationale of dealing with African-American children. And we have that so much going on within the school system. We have Mm -hmm. educators coming in, educating our kids as if we're turning our kids over to the oppressor because, Mm -hmm. you know, they're suspending our kids. They're expelling our kids at a higher rate. In Mm -hmm. fact, LAUSD, Los Angeles Unified School District, just removed the expulsion and suspension of, of, of children. And that was the fact because the Office of Civil Rights Department of Education came down and said, you're expelling African Americans at a higher rate than any other um, nationality in the school district, and we only make up 5% or 7% in LAUSD. That's the second largest school district. But yet they're over 50%. I need you to just go back over that just a little bit slower for me and the audience. Mm -hmm. Um, Just start from that point about what was cited by the government um, Rosalind Ali, she's the former Office of Civil Rights um, Secretary, Undersecretary. She came out last year to meet with Los Angeles Unified School District. It was a town hall meeting regarding the expulsion and suspension of African-American students because they expelled African-American students at a higher rate than any other student, and we don't make up in, no more than 7% of the population. Mm. LAUSD mm. is predominantly... Hispanic or uh, Hispanic or Mexican American. Hmm. Hmm. So you and take that into. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. Go ahead, continue. You take that into account alone. That one particular aspect of education and being expelled and suspended. So therefore, our kids are suspended, and if they're in foster care, where are they going to go get their education? Right. 
Right. Now, um, in terms of, and I'm, I'm going to move around in our conversation as, as it relates to education and also get to the mobilization of the adults into leadership and mindset or consciousness. In terms of, of changes that the education task force has been able to implement or programs, when I say programs, supplementary education, uh, interventions, whatever, what have been some victories that the education task force has forced it in that area? Well, let's see, number one, the task, the education task force, we require our parents to come in so that we can advocate and so they can become advocates, number one. So, for example, if a child was suspended or expelled, we would tell them the proper procedures of going into filing a complaint or filing with the California Department of Education to have a hearing on that incident or filing a complaint with the principal's office or the, the, the board of directors, the you know, school board. But, for example, we had the Los Angeles Unified School District superintendent meet. We met with him the first of this year. We had some issues regarding English language learners and the home language form that we want African Americans to change to either Nigerian or Ebonics mm-hmm. because our children are testing at a lower rate than English as a second language learners. And the reason is we're not given the resources that the other languages are given because we were enslaved from Africa. We really speak a different language, so therefore we need the resources and we need somebody with with the cultural and linguistic competence to deal with our children Mm -hmm. and to teach them and bring them up to the standard English learner or the English language learner. So if you come from China, they are going to give you those resources. They're not going to put you in special ed, but that's what they do with our kids and put them in special ed, number one, for the, I guess some of our kids run around in class or whatever. But we are are kinetic people. We run. We're cohesive. But if you Mm -hmm. have someone coming out of our culture teaching that, they don't understand that, and therefore the child is suspended or reprimanded. So we teach our parents. Right, you teach your parents that they should change that home language language form so therefore we can have enough resources for your student to get what he needs or she needs to become proficient on that test and you know, speaking and going to college. Our kids it's not that our kids do not know, it's the fact that they're testing them with things that they're not you know, that they have no knowledge of. Now in in terms of what you just said, uh changing um uh, the language form in the home, am I correct? The language form, how how, did, how is that done? I mean, how do you do that? When you first enroll your child in school, you know how they give you all that paperwork? You probably don't even know you filled it out, and you marked English. Right. And that's what I marked, English, until I met Dr. Ernest Smith, the ombudsman of the task force. And when I heard him about four or five years ago, he said, well, you marked English. You said that your child... In your home, you speak English. He says, but we are enslaved Africans. Our native mm. tongue is from Africa. How can you speak English? Mm. Say, for example, you have a, as far as my daughter, her name is Nia. Her father is from Kenya, so she speaks Swahili. So, of course, that wasn't her native tongue. 
Mm. And if we don't understand that, mm. whereas when I take her to the African Culture Center for African School, that's what I was going to get into later, every third Saturday, and when they teach Swahili, that's, a, that's, that's something that she already has in her ear. So she speaks mm. that. Mm. And so if we don't do this to our children, we don't know how many linguistics we have out there running around because okay. we are not... Okay, your 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 husband is from Kenya. Your father's from Kenya. Yes. Okay, so here you have uh, your next door neighbor is uh, rooted in Alabama or uh-huh. in Tennessee, and um, it may be the grandmother came to California, or the great grandmother came, but that that speaking style the word formation is still there from Alabama, Tennessee, or Mississippi. Uh, what, how do they put, what do they put down on the form then? They can't say Swahili. What do they put down? We put, we, well, what I did and what I do, I just put Nigrician Ebonics. Nigrician? Uh-huh, Ebonics. Okay, spell that. Is that migration or Nigrician? Nigrician with an N like Nancy. Okay, or you're gonna to have to give give me the meaning of Nigrian. Nigrian is another language in the east or western uh-huh. part of Africa. So I just put both of them. Okay, the Oakland right. Unified School. The Oakland okay. Unified School they just use Ebonics. So I just you know put it up a notch. I just put Nigrian Ebonics. Okay, now black, the, black. because I'm familiar with Dr. Dr. Ernie Smith's explanation mm-hmm. of Ebonics. I okay. I accept what you say, but mm-hmm. there's a major part of the audience that does not have an understanding of what Ebonics is because the misinformation and the disinformation has been put out there for us to distance ourselves from the term and make fun of of the term. So based on your understanding, just share with us Ebonics, what that actually means in the education um uh, in the education center. Well, I think the only school district that we know, I know it's several and probably has done it, but Oakland is the one that, you know, we're spearheaded this with Dr. Ernie Smith who helped them with that. So LAUSD, we're trying to move them on with that, but Ebonics is not black English. And so right. me, correct me, it is not a form of English. It's right. separate language. And so that's what we need to get clear to our parents and to our students because I think it's another form of English or a dialect of English. As they say Spanish, they speak a different dialect. And right. It's not a different dialect. It has its own definitions and meanings and all that. It's like when you learn a different language, whether it be Greek, whether it be Italian, you go back to the root words, you go back to the, the nouns and the pronouns and the verbs, and you know how to put the endings. The same thing with the If we know the mother tongue better. I'm not the linguistic. Dr. Ernie Smith is. Right, but right. He, he just, he, the little bit that I do know is that I know it's not black English and we have our own language and if we know the root words and the syntax and the formulation of how we say the words because we're saying the words in the syntax with the words but we're speaking the, the form of English which is not really English. It's a, a different form of English from the Germanic term. Let, let me put so this out there. Uh, I'm sorry, Sister Mia McNulty. Let me put this out there that if Dr. Ernie Smith is listening 
he can call in and give the the essence of what Ebonics is. And our telephone number is 213-943-3618, 213-943-3618. You can call in a few minutes, and uh, you can correct what I'm about to say for the audience's sake. That, and me too. <laughs> okay, that Ebonics, Ebonics is a a method of teaching teachers what our language is based on when I say our language, how we how we say words and the words meaning and how we speak. It's not bad English, it's just the way we form our words based on our African heritage. And when the teachers understand that they they then can make a correction or corrective uh, um, processes in their class so that they don't fail somebody because they don't understand what they say or because they themselves say the child is speaking bad English. And the way Dr. Ernie Smith laid it out, it is, is, I mean, he just laid, you know, Dr. Ernie Smith speaks by 18,000 languages. So he just let that bad boy out, and and we, if you're not listening, you know we'll have him on. We'll have him on a subsequent program so he can give this thing in full. But uh, as you said, it is not bad English. It is not a glorification of bad English, and which is what the Negro leadership put out, who did not understand the science of ebonics, which was validated by the the organization of linguists uh, who operate worldwide, according to. And Dr. Ernie Smith is not the originator of it. The brother is uh, is in is in uh, Missouri, I think St. Louis. Missouri, St. Okay. Louis, Missouri. Mm-hmm. Right. So let's let's go forward, and and in terms of that is definitely a a a, a very interesting approach. That we're going to have Dr. Ernie Smith explain. In other words, what the what the teachers would then not the teachers, but the parents going into when they sign the form that says what language does your child speak, they will do it with a an informed um, from a from a different informed basis. Now, the 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 every other week school that you mentioned briefly, I didn't write it down. You you said. Um, there's a school that your daughter goes to about every third third weekend. Or every every third weekend. Saturday. Every okay. third Saturday is the African um is the I think it's Timbeke Limbiku School. And that's the school that uh is housed in the organization us with Dr. Milana Faranga. So they take kids mm-hmm. from four to I guess eighteen and they have African centered education on Saturday from twelve to two, once a month. And it's an excellent program. Okay, uh, just give us a flavor of what what happens in that class and and how the children respond and what the parent participation is. Well, parents, uh, all the parents stay. It's parental involvement. We come in, we do a libation, we recognize our ancestors, we sing, we dance, then we break up into groups by their ages. And everything we do, like last month, we didn't have class, but we went to Cal State Long Beach. They had the African graduation, so the kids were there. The month before that, we learned about Harriet Tubman, and they showed a movie regarding uh, enslavement 
we learned about Malcolm X in February. And they have a curriculum every month. They have an excellent curriculum. They email the parents, they, they inform, and they call the parents. And the children love it. And they have healthy snacks at, at the end. And it's just a nominal fee. And I was, I was just surprised at how much my daughter knew. Last Christmas, they had the Christmas, Christmas, the kids did a Kwanzaa celebration. And the kids mm-hmm. danced. It's poetry and speeches. And they did a dance from, I think it was Molly. And they sang African songs. I don't think my daughter was really picking up. She knew every word of the song. She knew the dance. She sings the song now. And just that little bit once a month from 12 to 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 12 how many hours? They're, they're in there from what to what? From twelve, uh, from noon to 2 p.m. Two hours? Just two hours. Just that for two hours a month. Okay. This, this goes under the banner of supplementary education. This is where parents uh, take, take control of what they can do and say, all right, we got to give our children something, and they construct a program with the help of educators for just one day out of, well, one one day out of the month, it seems to be. And um, the children, what when you look at when you look at this program, it's just two hours. What is it that locks the children in? What what do you see? What do you observe that locks the children into that program, where your child knows all the words to the song and gives you no trouble in going back there when when it's time to go back? Number one, the educators have love. They love the kids and they love themselves, and they're not ashamed or embarrassed of being black or African. And so, therefore, that's transferred to our children, and our children come into this love and warmth instead of maybe in their other classrooms where there is a hesitation or a resentment coming mm. in. And then they see pictures all around of people who look like them. Mm. There's pictures. There's a map of Africa. They learned about Africa. And I'm seeing somebody where I can identify with in my home and in where I grow up, but when I get to school I might not see that. Or... I hear people talking in a negative aspect. So everything is positive and upbeat and educational. And so I say myself, I learned so much myself. <laughs> and so that's where we go. My daughter knows every third Saturday we're in Af- She calls it African school. She's eight near. Uh-oh. She says African right. school. Right. And, and, and her teacher calls her, and she loves it, and they take her, and I have no problem. If she goes with them, and they know how to walk and align and listen. And our, and the men, the boys, I just love it. When they do their dance, we have brothers in there. They need to see a male, a strong male image. Mm. Mm. You know, I, I don't know everyone's situation, but you go in the, the schools nowadays, you barely see black men teaching. That's right. That's right. Nathan. We have our black boys in school. I went to my daughter's school the other day, and this little black boy was acting out in class, and his teacher brought him in the in the office. It was a white teacher, and he wouldn't even listen to her. But I said, if a black man would have had him, right? He was right. Saying, you, you sit down over there and straighten up and fly, you know, and walk the chalk line. Right. Whereas right. he didn't listen to the white woman at all. Mm. Not that I knew what was going on, but just a little glimpse of what I seen. I didn't see any black males in there. All women were talking to me. 
Our number is 213-943-3618. We're speaking with Mia McNulty. She's with the Education Task Force, and uh, I'm always getting it mixed up when I talk to Dr. Ernie Smith between Oakland and South uh, South Central. You're based in South Central uh, yeah. Los Angeles, and Correct. this is the Keys 107 Network. You have the opportunity to call in, ask a question, 213-943-3618. And we have some announcements that's coming up. Our advertisers and supporters of the Keys 107 Network, please pay very close attention, and we'll be right back in a couple of minutes. Once again, 213-943-3618. Hit 1 on your telephone keypad that lets our engineer know that you have a question for Sister Mia McNulty. We'll be right back. Sika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback. Sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Moon 107. Fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're black with you. This is the Keys 107 Network, and I am Brother Leroy with the communicators, and thank you for your participation. Remember, our program is as a classroom, and that classroom atmosphere means ask questions and you'll pull more information out of our guests and sometimes our hosts than what is being given up at the time. The program series is gifted and talented for all. Once again, the idea is for us to begin to push for gifted and talented programs in each public school, in each church, in each mosque, in each masjid. We have to become very, very creative, and I'm the very, very creative is not difficult. We have to do the same, the things that worked for us when we were coming up in school. I'm talking about the grandparents now because America has been dumbed down. So there's a lot of things that's not going on in the schools that formerly went or was present in order to aid the education of everybody. Telephone number 213-943-3618. Sister McNulty, Mia McNulty is in South Central 
Los Angeles, and she's sharing with us the efforts of the education, the Black Education Task Force to change things for our youth, to save as many of our youth as possible, get them literate and get them on a track for a college uh, degree or a career, vocational career, that will enable them to do something for self. Sister McNulty, what are some of the other areas that you are involved in or experiences that you've had that we can learn from here in New York and also everywhere in the country where we're listening in? Well, I I got involved with this because my daughter, you know, um, was um, an IEP student, and I just didn't like, you know, the way everything was handled. So I went online, and then I, I found Dr. Ernie Smith, you know, by the grace of God, I did. But what I've learned is that if you don't fight for your child, no one will. So, for example, I took the school district, you know, three or four times to mediation and to due process because of the services or lack of services therein my daughter was not receiving. And it was a, it was a work in progress, so I know it, it's difficult. I had to, you know, file paperwork myself, which I really didn't know anything about, but that's why I, you know, have the meetings to educate and advocate so the parents can advocate for themselves. For example, some teacher was rude to my daughter or two aides. So I really didn't know the process about doing that. But once I found out the process, you make a complaint and you make sure everything is in writing. That's one thing we don't do. We need to create a paper trail. Right. We don't write things down. We go up, we'll talk to one person or we'll forget who we talk to. No. You need to write everything down and you need to CC everything to um, whoever the school board member is, the school board and the Department of Education. And once you do that, then that means you're creating the paper trail. But you don't have to just stay within the school system. You can go to outside agencies for us, the ACLU, CORE California. Any civil rights organization can take your case and file it free. Mm. Free. Mm. They, have, they, 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 do no filing, they have no filing fees. I don't mm-hmm. think a lot of people know that. And we need to be in partnership with or, other organizations. We call, you, know, you need to be involved with stakeholders within the education realm. For example, if it's a private business around your school, get involved with that private business. Maybe they can donate some time or donate some supplies to the school. Volunteer in the school. Uh, look what books, you know, see what books are being bought in your school. Go, parent, go to the parent-teacher conferences. Uh, in California, we have school site council. Each school is supposed to have a school site council to say what's going on within that school, particular school. I don't know what goes on in New York, but I'm pretty sure something similar. Find out what goes on because they let you know what the budget is for the year for your particular school. And parent training is in there. Title I funding is a part of parent training. That's for the parents to be trained to become advocates. And then lastly, you have attorneys or advocates that will work for you for free if you meet a minimum income requirement. I don't think a lot of parents even know that. Hmm. These are all the resources that we have at our disposal. I didn't know any of this until I started engaging in this with my daughter. And I was like, wow, I didn't know this. And so I started writing things down and come to a point now that they know me at the school district. Oh, what does she want now? <laughs> you know. But I'm saying it should be that way for every student. Every student is, should be provided with the resources and the capacity to learn. 
And now, Sister, Sister Mia, the the what you've explained sounds very simple, <laughs> and it is if you know that it exists. What kind of guidance did you get as you were were getting into the process of doing the right thing? The guidance I got was when I would file a complaint or a lawsuit and I saw there was a state of California, they threw it out. So me, I'm not a woman who's lost for words. I called the judge's office. And I said, why did you throw my case out? He said, oh, because you didn't do this, this, and this. I said, okay. He said, if you do that and file it again, it'll be okay. I said, okay, thank you. I love the same black lady. And so my thing is I'm not afraid to ask a question because my tax dollar provides his salary. So if we don't sit here and ask questions, we ask questions regarding everything else, the best question we need to be asking about our child's education and health and their welfare. And so I don't mind calling the judge's chamber or his secretary, and they took, they put me into a list of advocates in my area. That's how, that's how shocked I guess he was. sent me an email with all the advocates. He had his secretary do or his, or his assistant. So it was a process of elimination. I I would file something, it was wrong. I would do something, and so I just got to the point where now I know how to file, <laughs> and now Ooh. I know what to do. That's fair. And so I'm not I'm not embarrassed to ask anymore for the superintendent of Los Angeles High School District, or I'm not embarrassed to ask for the president or the chancellor of a UC or a CSU system to come meet with us in South Central Los Angeles. Because that's what we're dealing about with education. I'm not embarrassed to ask about UCLA. How come you have less than four percent African Americans in your student population for freshmen? They had a class of freshmen over five thousand, almost four thousand, and only three hundred African American. That's deplorable. Mm. That is, and that's a public. People need to realize UCLA is a public school. Public, but yet they have more international students who are admitted, but not kids from South Central. No, 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 no. We pay tax dollars for you to go there. Now, listen, Sister Mia, Hmm. what kind of help? I'm I'm not throwing blame. I'm just asking this question. What kind of, what kind of joining in help, assistance, have the task force or the individual parents gotten from political figures who are who are elected from the areas that you're in? Well, let's see. What? Well, it's so varied. The last time we really had um, a big issue was um, USC students, the University of South Central Los Angeles. And um, they had a party and they arrested some students. So we, we you know, we had the the chief of police come out and uh, the sheriff come out and someone else. So we, we worked on that case. We also worked on, I think, a case regarding, um, we put solidarity with the University of South uh, Santa Clarita, no, Santa Barbara. We were in solidarity with the students because they did a 10-point uh, uh, plan that they wanted more African-American faculty. And then UC Irvine is one of the last one because Dr. Smith there's an alumni from UC Irvine. They had an African-American student receive a letter. A noose was hung at University of Irvine, and then a, 
an African-American student received a letter indicating told her to go back to Africa. So we're in the process, and so we're meeting with them at the end of the month. Okay. What what assistance have you gotten from the political figures, if if you've gone to them at all, you know, on, well, on any issues? No, they come, they've, they've always invited us to open door policy. These meetings have been going on for 30 years. It's true. Mm-hmm. We don't broadcast it for 30 years. These meetings have been going on for the health, children, and education task force. They used to have a week of a child, a, a week of a child um, conference. Uh, and they did it for 20 years. It has, it has been, it's not in effect now, but we're going to bring, bring it back. But my thing is people know about it in the community because if there's something going on with them, whether it be political office or their jobs, they can come run into our meeting. Right. And so sometimes parents per se, they don't know what's going, you know, they don't come to the meetings. They'll send somebody else to go come to our meetings and get the help. But we try, we still meet faithfully every Monday. <laughs> we need more participation, but we're still going to meet. So now, we try to change policy. We we asked to meet with Arnie Duncan, and we were supposed to meet with him. Then he gave us to Rosalind Arley, and then she still hasn't met with us. But we just move on and we meet with everybody. But when we send the call out, they know, she knows she's supposed to come and meet with us. I'm in the Department of Education, so we'll see. But far as right now, we haven't had any parents really come in. If we see something on the news, we're the ones who you know try to bring them to our meeting or bring the officials from the school district or whatever particular school district because the parents seem like they're scared to even file a complaint. Hmm. So. Okay, it's, it's really it's really the lady the lady that came from uh, the Department of Education. Her name is Rosalind Ali. She has not met with us now. In fact, she has just uh, stepped down from that position. So we were supposed to meet with her in August uh, of 2012, and she uh, said that she, it was a scheduling conflict. So we had originally wanted to meet with Arnie Duncan, but they said our issue was so. Um, it was so that we need to meet with the Office of Civil Rights regarding African, specifically, we specifically indicated African-American students. Okay, she didn't meet with you, but she came to Los Angeles. That's right. Okay, she came to What was her reaction? What And who was there that would have uh, observed her reaction or, you know, would, you know talk, talk about that? If Well, she came... And she met with the school district, and she met somewhere else. So we had a couple of members that were there that did ask her the reason why she did not come to our meeting, and she indicated there was a scheduling conflict. So I did not attend the meeting because it was – I thought she was supposed to be at our meeting. But right. So I don't know what happened. And, then, you know, we heard that she has since stepped down, and there's someone in the acting position. So, you know, that's something for me to follow up and to be more diligent about to make sure that we get a contact and make sure we get a meeting because um, not just in California but throughout this country, it seems like there's attack on um, African-American students, HBCUs, um, African-American professors, teachers, you know, administrators. Mm. Uh, we need to make sure we get uh, involved with the Department of Education. I'm not sure what's going on in New York, but I know it's in Baltimore and Washington, Chicago. They're closing schools like it's, like their exactly. warehouses. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, it's a game plan for chaos. 
and also feathering the nest of the inner circle, feathering the nest by way of uh, charter schools that's being opened by yeah. people in the inner sanctum and also by corporations that that uh, give donations through the back door. That's my words. The, the leadership consciousness raising among uh, adults, what is the 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 blueprint for that what efforts are done in that area uh to get to multiply yourselves to make uh five or seven more Mia McNaulty's well what I'm trying to do I've uh we I've created a blog for the Black Community Education Task Force. I am trying in the process now of doing um maybe a website and probably on a Facebook and to make sure every meeting that we can announce in the paper and go on black radio so that the parents are aware or advocates or people just can come to the meeting and open it up. So we're trying to spread the word, and so I made like a little packet for each member, and so we're having flyers out, and I'll make sure I'll send you a copy or email you a copy. So we're trying to market ourselves better so we can get the word out. And, you know, social media, you know, is an aspect of Mm. that. And so my my thing is let's prepare our parents and our students and our community members before something happens. Let's just not come after the fact, you know, because sometimes we get them and it's something is probably it's too late. So let's not no, nothing is too late, but I'm just saying it's, it's beyond what we, we can do. So we have to refer them out. Let's provide them with the resources. So preventative, you know, have to say preventative health care. We want preventative preventative advocacy training and leadership skills for our parents, even our grandparents. We have a lot of grandparents who are raising kids. And so we need to provide them with some some help and assistance. Uh, They've already raised their children, now they're raising the grandkids. So we need to also do that. As we conclude our interview with you, this interview and Sister Mia, what are some tips that you can give the various segments of, of the earn, of the learning process, the various segments being the grandparents, the mothers, uh, fathers, uh, you know, the parents. What are some tips that you can give, and what are some of the tips that you can share with educators or retired uh, folks who um, may downgrade their own abilities to help, but uh, you guys may have had experience in in recruiting retired people, I, I don't know, but I'm just yes. thinking as broad as possible. Um, so we'll start with that last one first, the the recruiting of retired people and how has that been done and what's the, the success of that, what's the technique for recruiting them? Well, I think they're there, the majority of the retired people, because they're there. I think it's the, the individuals and the people my age that are working every day and they, they don't see a need for it. They're commuting two hours on the freeway one way to, two you know, two hours away, mm-hmm. and they don't see the need in coming to a meeting or they don't believe in everything that we aspire. My thing is you don't have to believe in everything, just, you know, just a portion of it. You know, you don't believe in everything your employer does either, but you go to work and show up. So I think that that's the issue. And then engaging our youth, because I think our youth, they're at a pivotal point indicating that if we're not fighting for them, they're not seeing us fight for them, then, you know, why would they want to come and help and come to these meetings? 
So that's why I, you know, would want to, you know, start the conference of the child back because we want to hear from them. The first person we want to hear from is from the students. You're in that classroom every day. What's going on? Mm-hmm. What do you like? What do you dislike? And I think there is a disconnect, a generational divide, and that we need to close that because we we never know what's going on. The retired educators, yes, we need everyone, all stakeholders. And I think that exemplifies us as getting to educating our children. But if we don't have that component of one, the students, the parents, and I know they're tired, but think about it when this child is coming home and either they're being suspended or expelled or they were talking to the teacher and they might have touched her and she said that she he hit her or you get my point. So we need to do that because we're not volunteering. We can have the the elders volunteer in the school and read. We have mm. retired principals, administrators. Mm-hmm. We can have, we, they have parent centers in every school. We need to be mm-hmm. in there. How is this money spent? Look at the textbooks. Are we in a, a, a positive light or is it a negative light? Well, say, you know, we don't want you to get those books there. Well, what conferences are you going to? Is that a conference for your personal gain or is it going to benefit our community? Right. Hook up with a community college. Hook up with a state university. Have our kids going on campus. Have them take a tour of the campus. Have the president of the college come down and talk to the schools, the elementary and the junior schools and the high schools. Why is that not being done? And pull our African-American students out. Everybody is pro-Mexican, pro-Asian, but we need to be pro-black. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm. Mm. And our kids need that. And they have nothing, and so we're not doing that. So they're looking at us like, are you going to fight for us? And that's the way I see. When I go to my daughter's school, I have pulled her out and start homeschooling. Homeschooling is another option also. But when I go to the school, I see all the kids, when I walk in the room, they're looking at me as if I'm their mother, and they just don't know I am. So you'd be on your best behavior. So, and they need to see that. We don't let walk in the room and say, hmm. Let me play that piece back to you. When you walk into those those classrooms. You're there for your daughter, but mm-hmm. the the you pick up a vibe from the children of of they're taking you as a savior even though they don't know you. That's true. I mean I'm 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 you know, I I'm just throwing that out to you. It's like wow, you know, maybe something's gonna happen different now that you're mm-hmm. in there in <laughs> in, in that classroom. Yeah. And I was just in there for a couple minutes. So just that, I felt that. And I was like, man, I need to come down here a little more often. Everybody started walking straight. The principal, the teachers, the janitors, everybody. Hmm. So visiting the school, and and I'm adding uh, this, that there's a, a protocol for the parent going in. In other words, Correct. don't go in cool, calm, and collected. Do not be shouting and Jumping around, and I'm not I'm not into no stereotyping my people, but no. I have been in the schools for my well, for my children and my grandchildren, and I've learned to ask questions and listen, and double back and ask uh, questions that haven't been answered. Now that's a whole different session than this interview here, but there are ways to ask questions and. Weigh the answers, the responses that you get, 
and quite often no response is a response. So don't think that someone is disrespecting you if they don't give you a, a response, an answer to your question. You jot down, as you said, take notes. Or Rick, as you do you a come paper trail, note oh, I'm you sorry. saw. Go ahead, uh-huh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but I'm saying when you come in with a, 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 I always come in with my notepad and a pen, and I just, I, I greet everyone, and I sit and I wait. And I usually don't say anything until someone comes back up to me when I wait for it, when I was waiting for an interview, and I just take notes. And that's the most petrifying thing that they think that you're writing something about them. I just was assessing the school. How come the paint is chipped here? Or mm. the, I'm writing things about, well, where's the internet? Where's the Wi-Fi connection here? Mm. Okay, this is African American history. I went to the school and they were having a picnic, and I asked the principal. I said, "Well, why would you use the word picnic?" That's all I asked. Mm. And she, mm. she went back, and, and so it was for the kindergartners. You know, I was waiting for an assessment for my daughter. And mm. she, they looked and said, "Oh!" And then when the teacher came up, I knew why. She was Caucasian. Mhm. Mm. But the principal was African American. So what's going on with that dynamic? Interesting. So just go in with a pen and paper and write and walk around the school grounds. See what's going on when they leave school. Look at the after-school program. Who's doing the after-school program? Who's getting the contract? Is the food healthy? All this stuff we need to be right. And so if we have a tag team working it, <laughs> you know, and then if we want a principal removed or coming in, our, we, they need to come to the stakeholders. They need to come to the parents first and get our input and be on the interviewing process, um, process interviewing Beautiful. panel. Sister Mia, it, it, it can be done. <laughs> it, 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 it can be done because it has been done, and your baptism, that move to ask the judge why your case was thrown out, that was a quantum leap. That was a big leap. Now you teach that to others, and and it becomes a modus operandi for parents who want to pursue a course of action to get things done. It's very, very beautiful. I want to thank you for joining us on the Keys 107 Network. I want to thank Dr. Ernie Smith for recommending you, and you're sharing this information from a parent standpoint. I've had educators on your grassroots-involved parent, and it's straight that kind of information is is uh, no theory, but actual practice actions that you have implemented along with other parents. So may God bless you, your 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 child and your husband, and bless the parents who are involved in the Black Education Task Force in South Central Los Angeles. My sister, thank you. May God bless you. Peace. God bless you and thank you and. Uh... Thank you so much, but I'm single, though. <laughs> but thank you okay. so much. All right. All right, my sister. Have a very beautiful evening. Uh, I guess it's 6 o'clock where you are, something like that. Yeah. In fact, okay. I'm, at the, um, I'm at the graduation of my niece from college. So oh, wow. Oh. What college? Um, California State San Bernardino, which I'm a graduate of, and I started an African-American alumni association here two months ago. So she's getting her bachelor's in human health. God bless her. Thank you. Thank you, my sister. And and our our beautiful and best regards to your niece. Okay. Thank you so much. Good night. Blessing. Ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow, 
tomorrow, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, tomorrow on WHCR, tomorrow we have the communicators come to you out of uh, City College, it's Harlem Community Radio. And uh, you can access it, those of you outside the New York area, you can access it by way of YouTube. You go to YouTube. And in the search bar, put in WHCR, that's Harlem Community Radio, H-W-H-C-R-A, W-H-C-R-A, The Communicators with Brother Leroy. We're on at 1 o'clock New York time. We're going to have a health segment. Uh, Dr. Velva Bowles out of Louisiana is going to be our guest, and we have two other guests who are Dr. Phil Valentine. He is dealing with metaphysics and mind control, and we have Brother Joe Muhammad, and Joe Muhammad of Harlem has written a book, How I Learned to Eat One Meal a Week, and that in itself, you don't want to hear that. You're a black guy eating one meal a week? Okay. So that's tomorrow, 1 o'clock New York time. You're welcome to join in, listen in that classroom. It's going to be exciting. And may God continue to bless you and yours and share the information that you got from this program tonight. As simple as it is, that's the key to execution. Keep it simple, stupid. And KISS, they call it the KISS principle. Keep it simple, stupid, which is not a uh, defamation of anyone, but that's just how you remember it. Keep it simple, and that way we can learn quicker and implement things very easily and get things done. God bless you all. Thank you for your support of the Keys 107 Network. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Communicators on the Keys 107 Network. Join our Facebook group page, The Keys, opening doors to endless possibilities. Follow us on Twitter at TheKeys107 and email us with suggestions or questions at suggestion at sign TheKeys107Network.com and don't forget to visit our webpage TheKeys107Network.com If the Keys 107 Network isn't on your blog talk radio, then your blog talk radio isn't really on. Rafika Consultants and Services, LLC, is on the cutting edge of emerging technologies for designing online classes and providing face-to-face and virtual technology training or help with computer programs, web design, and graphic arts. We also provide biography writing services for websites. For more information, give us a call at 631-399-0149. That's 631-399-0149. The Fluffs present the alphabet. Now found in paperback, sporting a five-star rating on Amazon.com. Moon 107, fashions and gifts that bring out the best in you. Moon 107 is an online retail store featuring women's and men's clothing and the gift shop. The woman's shop features stylish tunics, suits, and accessories, and offers the well-dressed woman an outlet to find the perfect gift for self or for someone else. The men's shop offers classy French cuffed shirts for the well-dressed man. The gift shop offers organic skin, hair, 
Keys 107 and the FOI Board of Directors is proud to present The Final Call. The Final Call is the country's unique leading source for news. Founded by the Honorable Louis Farrakhan, National Representative of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad in the Nation of Islam, The Final Call follows in the tradition of Muhammad's speech with hard-hitting national and international news and coverage of political issues. It is the official communications organ of the Nation of Islam. Founded in the 1930s as the final call to Islam, the newspaper evolved into Muhammad Speaks in the 1960s and boasted a circulation of 900,000 a week with monthly circulation of 2.5 million. Today, the Final Call newspaper serves a readership of diverse economic and educational backgrounds, including circulation in North America, Europe, Africa, and the Caribbean. Read the Final Call newspaper. You can find one of the beautifully bow-tied representatives in your community or read FinalCall.com. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to The Communicator with your host, Brother Leroy. I believe in 
that we'll all sing one song. Love will be our league. We'll march to freedom.
of a G and the mic again To the rabbi, yeah, my best friend To all of my true supporters, contributors and print assessors People everywhere What this world need From heaven to earth One love to all my friends and them One love to all my family My people over the world One love, one love, one love To all my friends and them One love to all my family My people over the world One love, one love, one love A lot of people say that they love my song Yeah, for real Tell me they really loving the vibe Say they can't wait for Trevor G to come on them in stitches or make them cry. cry, cry, cry. One thing they say, I keep it real. Open scriptures, give them a decent meal. Spiritual energy, make them feel refreshed like tea made with orange peel. Never sing slackness, no way. Never promote badness, no way. No racial prejudice, no way. Love is the answer, love is the way. One love to all my friends and them. One love to all my family. One love. My people over the world. One love, one love, one love. All of my Rasta friends. One love. The Family, Nazarene over the world. One love, one love, one love. Leaders of this world don't have the answer. Can't find the solution. Principalities, powers, rulers of darkness are true, 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 true. The heart of mankind ain't any better. So, thousands of years and every day mercy is new, 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 new. So shake up yourself if you know what I mean. Let your body respond cause the vibe is clean. Negative spirits, they can't come in like they want to see me turn green. Show some kindness today, show compassion today, serve the creator today, love is the answer, love is the way. One love to all my friends and them, one love to all my family, one love my people over the world, one love, one love, one love to all my Christian friends, one love Israelite family, one love Muslims over the world, one love, one love, one love. This music is not my own, I'm just a minister, a good steward of the word. 